You're a theater kid, right? Uh-huh. Are we like, in it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we come out of the void fully formed, ready to loosely right. horse shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a theater kid. Why? Are you asking if I... No, uh, I just I, when I when I was on acid with you, um, and you were we were all like uh, playing music and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was that it was that weird occurrence. Like I had like a moment where I was like, "Oh, you're all a bunch of fucking theater kids, aren't you?" <laughs> Mind you, I'm I'm also like I'm I'm a theater techie. I came from a performance arts high school. I just it, it just never occurred to me. I don't know why. But you also had a punk phase, which is the natural enemy of the theater kid. I don't know if that's true. But theater kids are all, are into being guided and highly organized and directed and right. all fucking one another. Well, Punk like I kids said, I was are a, surly I was a... and don't like to be touched and beat the shit out of theater kids in my experience. Right. Well, like I said, I'm a techie. I was a techie. So okay. like I, I was not a full theater kid. I never really performed. I just did this. I built sets and like right. did the thing where the lights go out and you have to move shit around. So like that kind of bridges it, right? Is like I was I knew theater kids. I wasn't a theater kid. Mm-hmm. Uh so I could be uh a punk and like Well you're already be, wearing you know, all black. It's perfect kids. for moving stage pieces, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Did you build sets? I did a uh I also majored in theater in college in undergrad and I did what they call practicum where you do rotations like learning to Here's what it's like to build a set. Here's how you sew a costume in case you want to get into any of these like supportive right. roles in theater. Building sets is so fun because it's, it's like so a construction fun. job where you don't have to be as safe or know as much and you're building wild yes. crap. <laughs> yes. It's the same in college. I built uh, sets for um, uh, like short films and stuff too. And like it's great because you're also building sets. It's like building a house that doesn't need to stand up for mm-hmm. more than a couple days. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's it's lovely and it's chill and you can listen to music and yeah. I'd also do. I did like the audio visual stuff for a lot of plays. I did a really cool video for a performance of Hamlet Machine that was like it's like really it's a, like a weird. I, I'm pretty sure it's German. It was like a really weird, wild, surrealist uh, play, uh, and I got to do a bunch of cool footage of that. It was it's a uh, yeah. I haven't heard of that. When you said oh, it, my yeah. brain pictured an omelet machine, which sounds delicious. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Uh, I built a, I just built a bunch of flooring and I still had very fun times. And they taught me how to create like, you know, use an airbrush to make stippling so that it, and then you like sponge on it. So it looks like right. marble flooring and it's just a thin sheet of plywood. Yes. And I was so yes. proud of it. I framed it in my dorm room and people are like, what is that? And I'm like, it's flooring but i made it i made it with my own hands (laughs) same with you can do that with wood flooring too like wood planks with paints Mm -hmm. specific paints yeah i have i have a piece of or i had a piece of marble wall from a a mel gibson movie edge of darkness from the set of that which is very random um yeah it's it's just it's just made out of foam from a play version or the prop no from the movie you know what i saw Um, when I was just walking around LA, popping into random places one time at a pawn shop, do you know the uh, old, the made-for-TV version of the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that ran on, I think, the BBC? I know but, of it. I've never seen it. Okay. They had the Vogon head. 
like the alien Whoa. that reads terrible poetry. And did you did I you buy it? it so bad? No, yeah. it remains the purchase I most wish I. It was like twelve hundred bucks, which I could not afford at the time, but I still wish I did. Because in the yep. grand scheme of life, that money will come back to you or not matter ultimately. But in right. the moment, you're like, well, that's like my rent. That's so I much. Had, yeah, I had the same thing when I worked at uh, Cracked, and I think I could have afforded it if I just moved money around. Mm -hmm. It was Mulder's badge up for auction, <sighs> and it was like, Dave. why didn't I get that? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't I get that? Oh, my that? God. Yeah. I wonder how many there are, too, because I'm sure there's more than one, but probably not that many. Yeah, probably maybe like 10, 20. There, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many they had to make for that show. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't flash his badge that often. That, uh, no, frankly. he just goes for it. But <laughs> yeah. man, ima now I just want to imagine you recording Fox Mulder's a maniac, and every time you carefully like put his badge on, <laughs> like yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My omelet machine's warmed up. I'm ready to record. <laughs> That's great. Mm. Oh man, yeah, I want to go back in time just for that badge. It's a real shame. Um, but yeah, my high school. The, the coolest thing, just going back to theater stuff, is mm -hmm. our high school stage was like, it wasn't like a fancy theater. It was actually like an old gym that they would just put like folding chairs and like, you know, stadium seating, sort of like that, that really cheap metal, uh, mm -hmm. like uh, bleachers. And, but what that created was a situation where we could literally saw through the floor of the stage or like oh. saw through the walls because you could, it was such a wreck that you could dress it to be whatever it wanted to be. Um, and it was a performance arts school. So that was like, this is, was our all football, you know? Yeah. So it's like all the money went into it. So like for like the production of Cabaret, we like redressed the entire room to look like in like an old-timey cabaret mm -hmm. uh, and we had like waiters and shit and we made it interactive like you could just really do a lot which was really fun uh from the tech point of view where it's like yeah we can we can actually like just build these big structures into the stage oh we were the opposite i had to like personally raise money so we could have a fog machine for a thing oh and that we sucks brought our own costume pieces from home and shit in fact junior year our they announced our theater department was going to be completely cut football was our football for sure right <laughs> um, and uh one of my first public speaking things ever in my life and i was i just one of the most terrifying times in my life i remember it so well to this day was giving a speech in front of the like school board and gathered public you know people who were voting on you know, like calling on them to not cancel theater and talking about the importance of theater molding young minds and shit. And right. they brought it back. That's great. Success. Yeah. It's like a movie. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was really fun, but terrifying. Just devastatingly scary. Way scarier oh, yeah. than doing a play, I think. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine. Did you see the footage of uh, the guy in Texas who's trying to make it illegal to treat your trans kid with respect and everyone yelling at him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for the kids. Super Good into for those it. Kids. Yeah, great job. I it's, I don't understand yeah. the point of view. I can't empathize with that guy. And not just because he's a hate monger, but also to be in a room where everyone hates you and is yelling at you like, 
clap, clap, we hate you. <laughs> clap, clap, we hate right. you. I would cry and crumple into a ball and roll away out of the room. Like, I, I guess... don't know how people do that. And they're just like, whatever, haters are going to hate. And you're like, damn, yeah. dude. I don't know how That's... the vibe of the room doesn't get to you. That's sort of the problem, right? <laughs> is that <laughs> is they that... don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Is that they, they also interpret it as like, well, I must be doing something right. You know, because I think of the idea of if, uh like if i'm in a room being booed of people that i think are objectively wrong mm -hmm. i probably would be care less uh, but it still would get to me obviously but in this case it's like i don't know we, we've talked about this before if you're on the side of limiting the 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 basic human rights for any group of people you're on the wrong side of history. Time makes fools like, of us all, but you more so <laughs> and yeah, more it's quickly. That, yeah. It's that thing like there was that they, they were signing that uh, banning um, trans kids from like uh, participating in sports. Mm -hmm. And they were signing that like with a, just a group of all fucking white people and kids, kids that were dragged there to sit around this signing that was just hateful. And I looked at that and it's like these people are going to be so like they're in in a hundred years from now not a hundred years because they'll be dead in 50 years from now they're gonna it's gonna be like the old civil rights photos where they're gonna have to like pretend they aren't in the photo you know mm -hmm. where they like they're gonna hope to god no one notices they're in there and yeah. it's like what are you fucking doing like well, when yeah. has yeah when has history ever been like yeah these people shouldn't have rights and we were all like yeah you're right <laughs> like even like that's never happened yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on the end of the spectrum where it's like even the idea of criminalizing people, that's yeah. still the frontier because people, most people still feel comfortable going, but criminals are the other. Anyone right. who's committed a crime is like different than me. They're bad. They're ostracized. And uh, I think in the fullness of time, we'll even ex like... That's yeah. the deal, right? The ultimate truth is we're all stuck in this tiny atmospheric envelope, gonna die someday. We're all in this together. There's right. no reason to deny anyone human rights that you have the possibility of giving them in a responsible way. Um, mm -hmm. But soon, deepfakes will become readily available to everyone, and it won't matter because they can pretend. They can just <laughs> go back. Truth will splinter and disappear into nothingness, Dave. Oh, um, they'll God. go back and just say, I never said that. Deepfake. Deepfake news. Deepfake. Yeah. Oh, no. Roger Stone already did that. Did he, he did say that, that like, today? The January 6th those... thing is not real? Yep. Yeah, he says deepfake, which We're, is funny because I'm pretty sure they can still like prove it. Yeah. Also, you look at the footage and you're like, yeah, that's not deepfake. Right. So far, we're not that good at it. You see yeah. samples where you're like, wow, that's a really good deepfake. But I can still tell technically. And there's an issue of resourcing. Yeah, Roger Stone was there. <laughs> that's that's fine. Yeah, Let's of accept course he that. Was. Yeah. Uh. Well, on that subject, that perfectly mm -hmm. transitions us to the actual show we're doing, right? I think so. I think when you've hit stone bottom, it's time to move on. Yeah, so let's uh you know, let's dim the lights. Uh everybody everybody shush up. Uh the music is 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 fading in, in. and the episode Begin. is beginning. Yeah. Welcome to Star Trek, the next Futurama. An epic team-up between gamefully unemployed and small beans. For access to the entire series, find us on Patreon. And now your hosts, 
Mike and Dave. All right. Yeah. Bender is back. He's back, baby. We didn't yeah. even talk about that news. I guess because no, it's on didn't. topic, so we shouldn't have. This is good. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. hey you, everybody. As I think you could have sort of sleuthed out if you understand how Hollywood works. Bender saying he wasn't going to be in Futurama and Hulu saying, well, we're going to hire a replacement was all just theater while they negotiated John DiMaggio's fee. It's been negotiated to his satisfaction. Good. Great. Yeah. Voice actors deserve to be paid fairly. Yeah, I hope they all get paid fairly. I hope it um, affected everyone and not just him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But that's great. And uh, yeah. Hey, folks, welcome to Star Trek The Next Future. Welcome, Mama. welcome, welcome. I would I'm love one to of your hear- hosts. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm one of your hosts, David Bell. I'm Michael Swaim, another host, and I would love to hear all the demo tapes of all the people who auditioned to be, who are like, I think I sound like John DiMaggio, because it's such a distinctive voice. I want to hear the people right. who are, it's like, dude, you don't really sound like John DiMaggio, you know? Right. I hope There's that's also, floating around somewhere someday. It's a real bummer, because I know, like, I've seen this actually dramatized in films, and I forget what, but, like, the idea of you think you got a big break going, and they're like, oh, no, actually, you were just a negotiation tactic. Like, there's probably mm. someone who thought they had Bender, that they were like, ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm their guy. And then it was like, no, we were just using you uh, to, to, to get uh, this guy back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these things happen. It's the Simpsons it scene sucks. when they're casting Poochie, and he's like, that's the best voice I've ever heard. And then the next guy, and he's like, you're even better than the last guy. Take a hike, loser. <laughs> Just yeah, spoiled perfect. for choice, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for people who don't know what this show is, uh, it's weird. It's, it's mostly weird loose horse shit about theater, deep face, yeah. stuff like that. And we briefly talk about Futurama. No, mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we've been going through every Futurama episode in order, and we're matching them up with a Star Trek The Next Generation episode, and they've been matching up pretty, pretty darn good, I would say. I still think the idea has legs, which is great, because we're not that far in, but it'll be interesting when we get to, like, season seven eight nine of futurama we'll see where we wouldn't have started the show if we didn't already verify that there are more star trek the next generation episodes than there are futurama episodes for now but now there's gonna be more futurama yeah it's gonna be weird i i've been trying to like think ahead too when we match up episodes now because i didn't want us to like kind of blow our wad Mm -hmm. early um and match it all the really good stuff up and then ha- have nothing. But yeah, um, we're, we're up to season two, episode 13 of Futurama, which is mm-hmm. uh, a biclops mm-hmm. built for two. Bicyclops. Bicyclops? Bicyclops. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bicyclops built for two, uh, which is, I guess, should I just go through? I, it's as host, I go through the Futurama episode, right? I think that's your duty, my friend. So, uh, this was first aired in, um, wow, March of 2000. We are like weirdly right there with the show. We, yeah, we are always seem to be matching up somehow. Yeah, there was one time where the date mentioned in the show was literally the date the episode we were recording. Yeah, it was Labor Day. Labor it was like Day, Labor yeah. Day. No, I, I think we just happened to start making this right when they started. I don't know. It's weird. Um, so Professor Varnsworth reveals that 
They have, he's finally logged on to AOL, <laughs> which that's why I noted that this was out that, in 2000. Yeah, younger people like, won't even know what that is. Yeah. Right. And like in 2000, that was a fresh reference. Mm-hmm. I thought at first like, oh, that's cute because AOL hasn't been around for a while. And then it was like, oh, wait. <laughs> no, it's totally still going. So they, um, they quickly predict the metaverse by going into these virtual reality suits. Uh, the internet is filled with uh, ads that they have to um, fight uh, pornography and violence. And that's pretty much it. They go into virtual chat rooms. Um, they they enjoy they ads. enjoy porn. There's ads. Yeah, uh, and Leela in one of the chat rooms reveals that she's you know she has one eye. She doesn't know where she's from, and she's looking for a man. And all the nerds are terrified. Uh, Bender is doing the Bender thing by doing fake uh, phone sex uh as a as a sexy nurse avatar mm-hmm. uh and so they get bored with sex and so they decide to uh do some violence instead uh they play a vr like first person shooter fry is amazing at it because he played video games which is a hilarious trope that i love whenever it happens it's funny but it's weird that he'd be good at like flipping and jumping in. I right. don't know. I just imagine the metaverse will handle differently than my PS5 controller does. That's all. Right. It, no, it's again, in all sorts of movies when they're like, how'd you know how to do that? They go video games. I saw and the it's wizard. Like, that's not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's not how video games work. Um, and while in the um, virtual death match, Leela stumbles upon another one eyed man who uh, is like, I saw you in the chat room. I wanted to talk to you, but Fry shoots him and takes him out of the game before she can learn who he is. Uh, and she's mad at Fry, but Fry w- <laughs> is happy because he won. Um, they leave. They leave the internet because they have to deliver uh, popcorn to Cineplex fourteen. Uh, good gag. Mm-hmm. On their way, she receives. Leela receives um, a message from the Cyclops, who re- reveals his name to be Alcazar who says he has a home planet, uh, she should come there. She dumps all the popcorn into the sun accidentally, uh, goes to this planet where he introduces her to um, a uh, this long-lost Cyclops city. Uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, 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 well, I believe he says, this is our planet, Cyclopia, in the Cyclops oh, right. Nebula. This is our capital, Cyclops City. Stop me if I'm going too fast for you. <laughs> uh, he also introduces, introduces the Forbidden Valley, where no one can go. He has a castle. He says that their planet was wiped out. He was cleaning a pool at the time. So he, he survived, and they sent one baby out, and that was Leela. Uh, so she's finally found where she comes from. And he's like, oh, it's too bad. There will be no more of our species. And she's like, well, there that doesn't have to be the case. And they bone and they decide to get married, at which point Alcazar becomes, literally becomes Al Bundy from Married with Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he starts taking her for granted, is a real asshole. Another, Just, I don't know if this reference was even fresh at the time, but people still remembered Married with Children to some degree. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, there's a double thing here because Leela is, um, mm-hmm. what's her name? From Married with Children. That's right. I forget. Yeah. I, I didn't watch much Married with Children, but 
Yeah, she's playing. She, people it's, who uh, aren't aware, the guy, the older dude Katie from Siegel. Modern Katie Family. Siegel. Oh, you were trying to think of the actor. I thought you were trying to think yeah, of the character. No, name. she's the she's the wife, right? Yeah. In in um, married with children. I like and, to think of it as the the older guy from Modern Family used to have a different family that he treated much much worse. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was considered a seminal sitcom at the time. I know a lot of Simpsons writers and then Futurama writers were big fans of Married with Children. So this was, right. you know, good homage. But again, it's just, I think it's just because Katie Siegel is both right. Leela and... And uh, what's her name? Peggy. Peggy, um, he got it. There we go. Thank there we you. Go. Um, so, oh, that's right, because he goes, eh, no pig. <laughs> that's <yeah>. right. <laughs> that's his catchphrase. And then flushes the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, so she's basically like trapped in this ma- in this like engagement. He he proposes to her. I think I I don't know if I, um, and he has his shitty friends, uh, pig, rat man, and his girlfriend, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he treats her like crap. Uh, Fry <laughs> is like, I think there's something up with this guy. Um, she won't hear it because she wants she wants to make this work because they're the last of their kind. Uh. Fry finally, uh, Fry, Fry, Fry tries to go to the Forbidden Valley, ends up in the, ends up in the dungeon, has to stay there for a while with a lot of fun bits, eventually escapes. He goes to the Hidden Valley, um, and learns that there are, what, five or four other, um, four others for five four, total. Yeah. yeah. Five total. Four each, other kingdoms. Four other castles, each, each more identical than the last. <laughs> yep. Uh, and he finds another Cyclops statue. Only this one has five eyes. Um, he they they realize that. So what what gets revealed is that Elkazar is actually uh, a shapeshifter who is maintaining relationships with five different women who all think they're the last of their species, so he can bone them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he openly admits to that. Uh, and uh, then they uh, basically. All, they confront him with all the other women uh, and they uh, b- beat him up <laughs> and then they return to Earth and Leela is sad once again, wondering how ma- where where her species came from, looking at the stars, not realizing that they're on their way to her home planet. Oh, because that hasn't been oh, revealed yet. Good point. Yeah. 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 I assume they knew like I assume they knew at this point. Yeah, there's a few things like they didn't know Fry was going to have a brother until they did. And then they're just like, well, we haven't mentioned that he doesn't have a brother, so that works. We can just wreck on that. But I imagine that they probably knew. And the Nibbler thing they had to have known because his shadow is visible in the pilot. Right. Which is mind-blowing to me. It's like the Arrested Development predicting the hand getting bitten off like two seasons ahead of time. Oh yeah, here's here's what I assume the shadow is mm-hmm. is that maybe they knew somebody was gonna you know like um, maybe like it's that thing of remember how there was the plan that Krusty the cr- clown was gonna be revealed to be Homer yeah yeah I think it's that where it's like they knew they were setting something up and they knew they could drop it if they had to or change it they're like we just need a shadow and just then and then yeah like an interesting pipe. like. Uh, the wire didn't know if they were going to do a season six or not. So they have one of the characters, I forget who, but one of the, on the cop side, um, 
the bald guy who we're bad at pulling actor and character names this episode, but yeah, it's, um, fine. it's been a while. I could rewatch The Wire. Mm, but uh, yeah. they show him at a gay bar and you're and it's treated as like, oh, he's gay. That's going to affect things and it never comes up again. And they were like, yeah, we, you know, just laying pipe, putting up stuff that we could pay off if we keep rolling or not. Right, right. Fascinating yeah. to me, especially when we're now in this era of seasons have become shorter and shorter and they seem to be almost like mini mini series you know like stranger things i'm sure they've mapped out the end of the season when they start filming it's hard because i know the creators of that wanted four seasons and netflix wanted five Mm -hmm. so that implies that they kind of only mapped out four and then Uh, stretched for time yeah 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 we'll see yeah and then there's there's i know there's like there were people talking about it on Twitter actually the other day about how like they'll often like screw writers over by stretching the season that they pitch into like two seasons, especially or, like, in animation. That's season one A right and now. season one B. Yeah. yeah, and it's like man, that sucks because that that de incentivizes them from really like crafting a show from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And yet, I it's, don't know. It's also interesting that there's so many shows now that there's it's rare. Like, it used to be a standard American thing that an order of a show was 23 to 26 episodes. That's right. wildly long. That's, <laughs> that's too so long. many. That's too, that's honestly too long. Like, I would, I think 15 yeah, would be like the sure. sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Like, I think modern stuff, it's a little too low right now. Um, like, when they put out fucking eight episodes i'm like come on and then in the uk if you're a fan of shows from the uk they'll be like yeah yeah this is one of our longest running shows 12 seasons each season six episodes six beefy episodes yeah (laughs) like that sounds leisurely that's nice it both works and doesn't like sherlock it's like four episodes a season Mm -hmm. but those episodes are feature length and it's like well that's four movies then yeah that's great good job yeah i I could Um, be into that yeah uh you wanna you wanna tell tell our good audience our wonderful audience absolutely star trek episode this is matching up with a grin is creeping across my face because i think this is one of our best pairings especially when we get to a particular point which comes up pretty quick so the episode we paired it with dave do you have the season and season six Mm -hmm. episode three six three it's called man of the people And in Man of the People in TNG land, the Enterprise has been called to aid an attacked transport ship because there's an ongoing conflict, as there so often is, between two planets in the area, and it threatens Federation routes. Interesting side note that they're like, I guess we'll get involved because this is threatening our trade routes. I I wonder if there's all kinds of civil wars and genocides going on that they just let happen. I guess because the Prime Directive, they do, right? Prime Directive, yeah. Well, no, I think unless if it's an alien race that they've already like joined the Federation or they've established, sure. I can see them doing that. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's they're called the Rekhog. Rekhag? Rekhog. R-E-K-A-G. Anyway. And they're fighting mm. the Solarians, I think. And uh, the Rekhag attacked a shuttle that had the mediator aboard it. Because as always in TNG, if you can just get the mediator to the place, there will be peace. Like all it takes is this person to sort of do talk therapy with you and it's going to be fine. Yeah. And they're like the best at it. Yeah. 
So they get the, this guy who's just the best, the best at negotiating peace, uh, beams aboard with someone he claims is his elderly mother. And we, we meet them. Troy meets them at the transport room. And immediately the mom to Troy is like, you want to fuck my son. I can see it in your eyes. You want to fuck mm-hmm. my son. You can't. I'll stop you. He's mine. And he's like, I'm sorry. My mom is medically ill. You know, she has these fits or spells or whatever. Um, but Troy looks a little troubled. Meanwhile, they kind of have a like, just a significant look between them. And we're introduced to this dude whose name is Alcaz- Alcar. Sorry, Alcar. Alcar yep. Compared to Alcazar. <laughs> just so, and that's not even why we paired these episodes. It's but not at all. My but God. Yeah, holy moly. Yeah, all you have to do is take out the Zuh and you got him. So he sends his mom away to her quarters and gets uh, a tour of the ship. Ends up in the ready room where he says he wants to approach the impacted planets in another unarmed transport, but Picard refuses and some other Federation like uh, Admiral says, yeah, it's too dangerous. Please let the Enterprise ferry you there. Basically, just as as an excuse, like we're not going to get rid of this guy. He's the meat of this show. So Alcar is now on the ship as they travel to wherever the like whatever you would call it is going to be the peace talks. Troy and he flirt on the walk back to his quarters. He explains his negotiation techniques, which he describes as like just staying patient, letting one, everyone else talk themselves out, and then improving a solution. And you're like, that that makes mediating peace talks sound very easy. Uh, he also points out that as an empath, Troy would have a real advantage in his line of work, and his race is is empathic but only with one another. It's like a closed circuit network. They're not empathic right. to other life forms. Um, she says, well, I am, and I can sense that you're full of nothing but good feelings, calmness, serenity, tranquility. It's amazing. Like you truly embody peace. And that's obviously attractive to her. He asked her to come with it, with him to Seronia to aid in the negotiations. She, you can see she's into it. She agrees. Then the mom bursts out of the room. And again, is like, did you try to mate with my son? Did you try to mate with you? Fuck my wife. And, uh, says, if you do, you'll regret it the rest of your life. Riker comes in because he needs Troy to help him write crew evaluation reports. Um, but she's sort of distracted by what happened and confides in him and says that she's worried because from the mother, she senses nothing but evil and malevolence and it's out of proportion. She seems like so angry all the time that Troy can't even understand it. He says, ignore it. (laughs) She agrees. Maybe she's just senile. (laughs) And he says, you know, that could happen to all of us someday. Uh, which I don't think is true in the Star Trek universe, but regardless, uh, after the evaluation, she says she's going to eat two ice cream sundaes, which just raises the question, is des- are desserts fattening in the future, or is it like synthocream? I Because Troy is fit as hell. No. Okay. Yeah, she and is constantly fit as hell, chocolate. but she loves her chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I assume it's synthocream, which, mm-hmm. man, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's like the Unless McDonald's it ice like cream. Shit. It's just it might be. It also bones. might be like... You ever try British chocolate and you're like, oh, this is what chocolate should taste like. It might be that <gasps> where like, no, if yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Other countries have better chocolate because really? they have better dairy than us. Um, oh, yeah. There's a you can got you can get it online and shit. I, I, I think get Whole it. Foods like, and shit have some imported British chocolate. Yeah, I'll yeah, try it. Where in my hometown, there's a British store that sells like British stuff so I can. But yeah. I wonder if it's the same situation where, like, if they actually tried ice cream, they'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is so much better. My 
I always end up looking at the British chocolate and then turning away because I don't like the names of British candy. Can I just? Oh yeah, they're hilarious. They're like flaffles or little wedgies or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. I'll stick with Rolos. Nice strong American name, Ford Rolos. (laughs) Um, So anyway, the uh, mom has died. That was a sudden jarring transition. The mom dies. Alcar (laughs) says. Troy, can you join me in a funeral ritual that my culture does? It would really mean a lot to me, and we can continue to flirt with one another. And Troy's on board. He calls it a meditation, funeral meditation. They hold some rocks, and they say some things that are nice, like peace. It turns to love, and love is what we need. Oh, yeah. And a little spark flies from one rock to the other. And Troy looks disturbed. Act break. Yep. All right. So and he, yeah. and he's just like, gotcha. Gotcha, bitch. So we Runs come back. Out of the world. And Troy <laughs> seems agitated, upset. She's filled with negative emotions. Hmm, very curious. Um, cancels the counseling session with someone named Ensign Janeway, who you cannot convince me doesn't turn out to be Captain right. Janeway. <laughs> and uh, says like, you know, maybe you don't belong. Uh, Janeway is like, sometimes I feel bad at my job. And she's like, then you should probably quit. Maybe you're not good enough to be on the Enterprise. And you're like, whoa, yeah. Troy. Troy's, uh, something's going on with Troy. Meanwhile, Crusher wants to do an autopsy on the mom because she can't figure out why she died. Even though she was in her 90s, she just she has high levels of neurotransmitters in her cerebral cortex is what they say, but no organ failure. And like it's like, well, her heart didn't fail. Her brain didn't fail. Why'd she die? Alcar forbids them from investigating the body further and says, in my culture, you don't desecrate the body or whatever. You no autopsy. And Picard says, yeah, we got to honor that. So. There's a little sea runner, basically, that will, of course, come into play later of Crusher wanting so badly to cut this woman open and take her organs oh, yeah. out, but they just won't let her. Um, Troy does Tai Chi in a mirror, starts to get horny, fondles her own cleavage, and uh, I guess this is just to establish that she's not just angry, she's also horny, so don't, you know, don't get it twisted. <laughs> she's horny she, angry, yeah. She's hangry. She goes to Alcar and acts flirty, <laughs> hits on him uh, very clumsily. She says, what kind of woman do you find attractive? Do you find me attractive? When you find someone attractive, what do you usually do? <laughs> it's like sex ed for <laughs> teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they end up <laughs> kissing, but he says, our relationship can't be like that, and she gets angry and storms out. She goes into the turbo lift, acts horny towards a random ensign. She's basically just insatiable. And then we cut to Riker going to her quarters to finish those darn evaluation reports. And that ensign is getting dressed and and rushing out. So, and she's, I mean, she's nipping hard. She's in a very flowy gown. She obviously just got her freak on with this ensign. And it's like, doesn't that bother you, Will? Does that trouble you? And he goes, no. We live in the future. It's fine. You know, do I'm Riker for God's sake, do whatever you want to do. I just want to get these reports done. And she's clearly distracted by other things. So he ends up saying, sorry, I'm sorry. I intruded when you're ready to work. Give me a call and leaves. They finally arrive at Recog Seronia, which is where the peace talks are going to be held. And they get a report from the situation on the ground, which is getting worse they say like there's thousands dead the ceasefire's been broken neither side will negotiate making it all the more amazing that alcar can come in and after four hours they're like you're right 
our civilizations are at peace now. Um, but that's how it works in Star Trek. So they plan a negotiation in a neutral city with the leaders of both groups. Meanwhile, Troy is, oh yeah, 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 sorry. Troy sees Janeway again. This is where she treats her like crap. Previously, yeah. she just mentioned, I have to counsel uh, Janeway. She, yeah, she cancels. So copy and paste, face. but she, yeah, treats her like crap. Um, Crusher and Jordy examine the transporter log, which proves that Alcar's mom was deteriorating physically ever since coming on board. Like that, that I don't understand what they mean, but they're like, none of her organs failed and her brain didn't fail, but also her cells, I guess it's that her cells were like disintegrating or deteriorating spontaneously. So Crusher's even more curious, but the autopsy's not allowed. We cut to 10 forward. Riker tells Alcar the negotiations are on. Data brings up that Troy is dressed very sexily and has some gray hair now, because, of course, it takes a robot to notice those things. Um, <laughs> she acts jealous, accuses everyone of being possessive or envious of Alcar. Riker pulls her aside and says she's way out of line and demands answers, and she just tries to get Riker to have sex with her. Uh, he And he he's almost does it. <laughs> he almost goes for it. And he, like, he definitely would have if she hadn't, brutally scratched his neck like four strong crimson lines of blood down his neck uh and he runs out while she screams i need you please uh alcar comes to see troy she's turns to face camera and we see she's much older now she's like later middle age he tells her i'm leaving for the surface uh she says well i'm coming with you like we agreed he says no she flips out she obviously is not just generally horny and angry, but she has this possessive feeling for Alcar. Uh, he says, Deanna, you're my anchor. I need you more than you can possibly realize, but I need you here. She screams again, don't leave me. Don't do this, please. <laughs> Constantly being abandoned in this episode. Then in the med bay, Riker tells Crusher, Troy's acting weird while she fixes his scratches. Uh, that's a little scene. That's all. Advancing that ball. Alcar is about to transport down. Troy comes in. And tries to kill his female attache, uh, basically out of a feeling of possessiveness. Picard gets in the way and she ends up stabbing, stabbing Picard in the shoulder. And she's yeah, even Picard, older. Picard mm-hmm. really has trouble fighting off this elderly lady. Yeah, yeah, she does a good <laughs> job help. stabbing young, strapping Jean-Luc Picard. Um, yeah. But he says it's just superficial. Uh, I'm sure Crusher must be excited because there's lots of easy shit to treat this episode. Yeah. <laughs> really oh, can't. Yeah. yeah. Can't fuck it up. Just the neuro, the uh, skin regenerator and you're good to go. So they they sedate Troy in the med bay because she's flipping out so hard. Crusher suspects. Finally, someone suspects. Uh, see, they needed Fry. Fry would have been onto this so fast. Um, oh, Crusher's yeah. like, I think this has something to do with Alcar's mother. And Picard goes, OK, do the autopsy. I don't care. Defile that body you know, go Crusher on it. So Crusher does and discovers that the mom was aging prematurely, just like Troy, and that genetically they don't match Alcar's transporter log. Therefore, it's not Alcar's mother. So who's this mystery woman? Why were cells degenerating? And why is it happening to Troy now? These are the questions of the day. Picard and Worf transport to the planet's surface to confront Alcar. And he admits, yeah, she wasn't my mother, but I'm mad you performed the autopsy against my wishes. Then he calmly explains, he's like, well, I guess you got me. So here's my whole deal, right? I 
shunt all of my negative emotions into a res- people. These are human beings that I call receptacles. So I send, I send my hate and anger and horniness, which that's interesting. These are the Star Trek yeah. writers officially saying horniness is bad. That's a bad emotion. You should feel shame. Um, so his sexual feelings, his feelings of envy, jealousy, hate, rage, they all go to someone else. I don't know why he always chooses a young woman. We can get yeah, into I that mean, later. Yeah, I think we know why. I think we, yeah, well, because no... he's a piece of shit. But, yeah. but he always picks a young woman, and through this funeral ritual with the rocks, somehow he's able to shunt his negative emotions into people, and it prematurely ages them just through the sheer rage of it all. But because Troy is not of his species or whatever he didn't know if it was going to work and it turned out it works double time or whatever that's why she's aging even more prematurely than he expected far more than he expected um but basically explains i don't care i'm gonna do it anyway i don't care that you know this is what's happening fuck you picard um picard doesn't to his credit, immediately snap the guy's neck, which I feel like he would be, uh, you know, in his rights to do. Instead, just gives him a little speech saying he's a coward, he's an exploiter. Uh, He says, you're unwilling to shoulder the burdens of unpleasant emotions. Well, this time you will be held accountable. Meanwhile, the negotiations start to fall apart, and Alcar's like, you can't can't hold me accountable because I'm necessary to peace here. You know, you'd be condemning thousands to death, and Picard's like, oh, you got me. So they teleport aboard the Enterprise and decide they must use cunning to foil Alcar instead. And basically, Crusher comes up with a plan to kill Troy temporarily and says... Yeah, if it's less than half an hour, I can bring her back to life. So, so that's that's canon. They got half an hour window when someone dies to bring him back to life. I wonder if they could have brought Tasha back, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, they kill her. They go down to the planet where Alcar is celebrating that apparently within half an hour, yeah, these he did it. two planetary governments worked out their differences. <laughs> He's really good. It's He's like really good. We sent Sean Penn to the Russia-Ukraine border, and in <laughs> half an hour, he wrapped that shit up. Yep. So he's very, very good, but they tell him, uh, you know, Troy's dead. You're kind of fucked without a new receptacle, and he goes, this is true. You got me. So he asks his sexy young attache, hey, any chance you'd do a funeral meditation with me? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Cut to them being about to do that. Picard says, lock on to her because we want to pull her out of there if if the funeral meditation goes too far. But in the meantime, we're, I forget the last part of their plan, but I have notes. They have to revive Troy. Oh, they're going to make rev- sure she's That's right. revived like to 300 percent or something they give some sort of milestone where they're like if this number is this then you can transport her out of right here. it's a hacking progress bar they're just like we yeah. got to get to 300 before the rituals complete they do and alcar does a great home alone face where he's just yeah the, uh it, i imagine the director told him so now a lifetime's worth of negative emotions have entered your body react to that and he doesn't really know what to do with it so he just does a big face like oh and uh, he immediately starts to age dorian gray style becomes a withered husk before our eyes uh they i, I forget if they transport the lady out or she just they, do. they, they do. do they do they transport her out and yeah. Worf runs in 
but he's already dead. And Worf confirms the ambassador is dead. And they're like, well, that's good. We got peace and this piece of shit's dead. Yeah. It's a good day for the Enterprise. Troy wakes up in Medbay, sees Riker, and just says, Will. And uh, she's back to normal. Riker and Troy kiss tenderly, but not hornily. And he says, right. she says, thanks for sticking by me. And he says, I'll always stick by you, even when you're old and gray. Ha, 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 ha. End of episode. You uh, said Dorian Gray style, not Walter Donovan style, which, whatever. It's Who's fine. Walter Donovan? He's the bad guy in Last Crusade. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but oh, it's that's fine. the third it's one. Fine. I have seen that. I have never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, Dave. You've literally never seen the best Indiana Jones movie, then. I thought Although, everyone okay. assumed, well, oh, or everyone said the la- the third one is the best. I I would say the third one is my favorite, and it mm-hmm. is probably you could argue it's the best, but it's fucking Raiders, man. It's I don't know. Okay. It's uh, Raiders has the grit the full grit to it like I, it doesn't matter we don't have to, you, you should just watch that you um, play that fate of atlantis game dave no Whew. i didn't that's a good indiana jones thing fate of atlantis point and click adventure check it out. all right you're the host <laughs> Put, wrangle this shit <laughs> all right well now we're gonna see how these two episodes pair up mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna do we've described the episodes so let's move on to good news number one good news number one i feel like uh, so the alcar and the alcazar thing very obvious the fact that both can be shortened to al is just yeah we nailed it we're good at podcasts to the point that i I wonder if futurama they like specifically spoof the name i don't know i don't know um so obviously there's the yeah there's the fact that it's a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? It's this quote-unquote nice guy who uh, turns out to be uh, pr- like a pretty misogynist and trying to use women for personal gain uh, and is basically draining women for their own gain. And I would say both of those are that, right? This mm-hmm. guy tricking Leela into just being a house like a like a housewife that he gets to like boss around versus alcar who is like it's it's who tricks um troy into being this receptacle for his negativity look i'm not Uh, defending alcar but at least his argument is which is such it's still bullshit but his argument is only i can bring peace to these planets so i'm saving thousands of people so it's worth it i like that alcazar's is just we all have dreams my dream was to have five freaky aliens wait on me hand and foot and scrub my five identical castles can you honestly say in my situation you wouldn't have done the exact same thing (laughs) he's a saint um well yeah that's the well i that is I, I mean, I, that is the big difference is that what Star Trek is actually nailing, and I think they've nailed before, is the, I'll call it the Sherlock Holmes problem that happens with characters a lot, or the Rick and Morty problem. Although I, I would argue Rick and Morty understands it and talks about it and addresses it more, which is the troubled genius who sucks and it's like or the doctor house issue obviously which is like everybody like well he's so good at his job he can treat people good. like shit yeah yeah schizoid or the, man you know, guy the stanley like kubrick problem yeah mm-hmm. and it's and it's a toxic idea and star trek is introducing that idea here which is this guy is like yeah i can treat women like shit because i'm a genius which 
is like most of human history, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so like that, I'm glad they sort of did it that way because it's like, well, he's a genius. What are you going to do? And it's like, you're going to fucking tell him to go to hell is what you're going to do. You're going to stop him because it's not, yeah, no one is allowed to treat people like that. Yeah, um, Abe and I wrote a sitcom pilot one time that, of course, crashed and burned, or you would have heard more about it, but about mm. a key grip who is a hateful bastard, but he's so <laughs> damn good that he that they can't fire him from the set, and everyone That's like bends their lives around him. Yeah, <laughs> look at the way he set that light up. He's just too damn good. He's too good. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of similarities, both Leela and Troy start. They become. I don't know, bewitched and mm-hmm. start like um, ignoring their responsibilities for this guy. Leela uh, screws up the popcorn delivery. Troy is uh, canceling everything on her calendar, being a shitty counselor. Um, and I, they're specifically, it's specifically a love interest that yeah. who also shares the thing that makes you unique like leela has one eye he has one eye troy's empathetic he's empathetic like they right. are attracted by oh you are uniquely like me in some way and we can connect quickly on that and that's how the and romance he, snowballs so fast right and he uses that his species and like his abilities to manipulate people right mm-hmm. like that that's in both as well where he's like you can't do an autopsy on my mother my species won't allow it like it's all and, and, and then there's the moment where it's like, Cyclops, we don't like to be hot. Take off your jacket. Yeah. Like, it's the same idea as they keep using their species as as their excuse. Uh, they first meet in a place of combat, or they first bond, rather. There's the video game, and then there's Worf's karate class. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, good point. Yeah, both missions are around shipping, I guess. There's the shipping route and the popcorn uh it's it's uh, it's a thin one mm-hmm. um of course lying and juggling multiple women they're both doing that that's part of it where it's the it's they're not just manipulating one person they're manipulating many people because they're they don't actually care about people yeah um, and when they're both you know because this is the point of this show is like we like to see how they navigate basically the same sci-fi or speculative concept, which in this case is some sleazy piece of shit takes siphoning you, like taking advantage of you. And it's interesting to me that they both use the idea that the idea of death or funereal, you know what I mean? Like the Cyclops Alcazar is like, well, you have to be with me because all the Cyclops has died. And Alcar is like, well, you have to be with me or all the Recox Solarians will die. It's right. slightly different situation, but still playing on uh, funeral stuff. Pity me, be sad. It's uh, they're not. It's not quite the game. They're not negging or peacocking, but they are being pitiable to get right. to get closer to the women that they are their quarry. Yeah, and ultimately, it's for superficial reasons. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Uh, he just wants no bad emotions, which is something everybody has to deal with, right. but him. And the uh, other guy just wants to nail ladies. Um, they both confess as if they what they're doing. There's nothing wrong. That's with That's a big one. When caught yeah. ever so slightly, they immediately just go, "Yeah, you got me. Here's what I do. Here's my deal." <laughs> That's yeah. a very interesting structural similarity. Right. I'd also say Riker is fry. 
right? That's two characters with a romantic connection who are concerned about the situation, not just because of the romantic connection, but actually as a friend. Like Fry is right. That's uh, true. I think of Crusher as Fry because Fry actually goes to the Forbidden Valley and Crusher actually does the autopsy. Is like right. The, well, I, find I, I would out. say, I would say it's, it's, it's all three will crusher and picard because mm-hmm. picard also gets held at gunpoint like fry gets put in the dungeon yeah picard gets stabbed just like yeah fry yeah. getting put in the dungeon and eating tacos through the grate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite but, lines in the whole thing man is uh i'm stuck in this i gotta get out of this dungeon i'm just letting my sh- like my p- waist fall <laughs> where it will like an animal animals go in the corner <gasps> the, the corner, corner of course <laughs> <laughs> that's so good um that's it for connections i think it's pretty clear it's it's really like i i love that they were both just like watch out for the secretly toxic nice guy who just wants to Mm -hmm. actually just drain you yeah that's basically what both people are doing they're draining them emotionally in one case literally well no in both cases literally but in one case like in a physical psychic way right yeah I think we um, na- I, that's a home run, Dave. That's a home run right we there. So it. let's let's get into talking about the episodes with our next section that is called Bite My Shiny Prime Directive Go. Bite My Shiny Prime Directive. Yeah, that was um, no Xmas story. That that one was tough. No. This one was easy. <laughs> this one was easy. In fact, once we, we had like once we landed we on We had it. 5 or 6 that could have fit, but the Alcazar, Alcar thing just was the nail in the coffin. Oh, yeah. And Star Trek often would do the, like, this is a great man who's secretly X. Flawed. You know? Like, yeah. yeah. Anything to um, give Picard a chance to be morally superior and be like, shame upon you, sir. You have, you've betrayed the truth. They right. love that. I love how, uh, so I love how Futurama both predicted the metaverse and didn't predict that we would still link up the phone to the internet. Um, mm. it's very funny that they're like it's the future so like the internet will be VR but also like the professor needs them to sign off so he can use the phone and AOL is still a thing uh, that's cute and yet it is yeah I was very tickled because it's on everyone's minds lately that they did such a rob- I had forgot Futurama did such a robust ready player one style metaverse thing where you're like yeah. and they come back to it repeatedly I'm thinking of the Lucy Liu episode where they're like right. yeah websites are represented by doors that you walk through and for right. all we know that might be kind of how it is you know I actually I actually don't think that I mean I just did a whole some more news about this sure. I, I think the metaverse is not a, I think the the metaverse that everybody keeps like pretending is going to happen is not actually going to happen. I I think, you know, we're not going to virtual do virtual shopping because why would we? That's harder than shopping on our phone. Like we want things to be easier, right? I completely agree with that, and that's why things like interoperability of video game items won't happen because you're not going to be able, you're not going to take a shotgun from doom eternal into Elden ring. Cause the Elden ring designers would be like, well, that fucks the whole balance of our game. Um, right. But I still think that there will be some kind of 3d or ARG. I, I feel like I ARG think, well, is more likely representation uh, yes. of the internet. The internet I is think, not going to stay fully 2d. Some components of it are going to become 3d. I think augmented reality is a future. Mm-hmm. I think if they make stylish glasses that aren't Google glass, that, 
like you could turn on on and off. I think augmented reality is very useful. Um, I just I think VR will always be around and always get better. I just don't think it'll replace like work, you know, like mm-hmm. and shopping. I think it'll just be like fun. And there there are VR chat rooms and stuff, but I don't think it'll you know. It's not. We're not going to be living in the metaverse. No, uh, I agree. I'm just saying that the Futurama depiction and the Ready Player One depiction of the idea that there will that the internet will soon be more than it is now is vaguely correct in some way. Who yes. knows what the actual nuts and bolts of it will be? But it was just yeah. interesting to for them to hop on that so quickly. It certainly won't be because I agree with you about the VR. One of the big hurdles is well i don't want to wear a headset for many many hours <laughs> like it's right. not going to be a suit they put on full suits and like get haptic and, feedback and, and actually jump around in physical space that's that ain't gonna happen but yeah no um yeah and we're already in a like a f- augmented reality like i'm sitting here with two screens talking to you mm-hmm. you know uh how many miles away it's just like yeah it, it it's you, you always think about smartphones which is like what's a way to make things more convenient to make the internet more convenient and more blended with our lives which is why augmented reality seems more likely um, mm-hmm. but even that like i don't know if people like the idea of cameras ever, like on everybody's face i don't know uh we'll see we'll see we'll see uh, and it's not up to us dave it's up to the zoomers yeah imagine taking a klingon karate class by uh, hosted by Worf. Was like, it a karate a class? Teacher. It looked more like Tai it's Chi like Kling- to me. It's like, well, I, it's whatever Klingons do, right? Like, I assume it's a Klingon combat. Okay, you That's think my they assumption. come? You think know. they fight very slowly? I don't know. No, I think it's. I I just assume it's that was the warm up th- or something. Yeah, that's, or the cool that's my assumption. Okay, is that it's. Some sort of Klingon. I don't know. My maybe, understanding maybe someone else. was that Worf trains by going into the holodeck and having monsters attack him. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he's running that class. Sure. Like he, yeah. So, like, I just think it's funny that they can do that. Like, that the crew members, like, it's like a community, uh, like, community space, the Enterprise, right. where, like, Worf has to put up little, like, flyers or something. And Jordy might be like, well, I, li- I, I know how to spin pottery. Who wants to come learn to spin pottery? Yeah. yeah. It's, that's fun. What would David um, do? Oh, he would be... He would teach the fucking instruments and shit. I guess so. That was a boring... Yeah. I thought that question would be more fruitful. Um, <laughs> this is where we just talk about the concept, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I thought I always find it so interesting. So, I got another podcast that's about to launch on the Small Beans Network called Like Razorblade Pie, which is a short story club where we talk about the stories of Harlan Ellison. And I'm not just trying to plug it. Uh, I also wanted to, it, it's just on my mind because the first episode we talked about a story called The Beast That Shouted Love at the Heart of the World, the basic concept of which is that negative emotions are a tangible substance. And there's this place in space time far in the future called the center where there are, it's like heaven. And that's where our visions of heaven come from or what we imagine to be heaven is actually this place. And the reason it's that way is because they shunt all negative emotions out of it. And that's why we have insanity and illness and hate. Ah. Um, So it's like at what cost? And I always find it interesting that a lot of speculative fiction 
treats madness or hate not as a behavioral pattern, but as a substance that can be shunted around. Rick and Morty has done the same thing, right? They went to a spa yeah, that split their negative emotions. What do you think about that? Is there any truth to that? Like, is it a zero-sum game? By which I mean, do you think it could ever be possible that all the humans on Earth, even theoretically, even hypothetically, I know there's hurdles in the real world sense, but like in a perfect world, would everyone feel happy and healthy and loving all the time? Or does no. someone have to be a bastard? Like, is that well, a rule? I don't, I don't think there are such a thing as negative emotions. I think there are negative actions. Um, I think uh, things like envy and hate uh, and, and, I guess, sadness are tools. They're, they're part of who we are. And, like, I would never want to eliminate that from myself because you know negative emotions can result like stuff like anger results in good things you know being anger angry of what's going on in texas with trans kids results in people standing hopefully doing good things you just have to know how to direct that you know like if you're angry about what's going on in texas and you decide to bomb a building you did it wrong but if you decide to say move to texas and flood texas with positive people uh, and start supporting these kids, then you're doing a good thing out of anger. So I just reject the idea of a ne- negative emotion in general. Not that they Personal. don't exist, but you wouldn't call them negative. I yeah, like I you're would not say saying hate doesn't exist or people don't ever feel it, right? Right. I'm okay. saying that what's inside of us is what makes these things bad. Is when the stuff inside of us manifests in the physical world, right? We do bad things based on those negative emotions. So I just don't think, um, I, I think I, the idea of purging negativity, mm-hmm. negative emotions, like, I just don't think that's what anybody should aspire to. It's more about controlling them. I, as someone who's had chronic, deep, dark, self-loathing depressions where I like bang my head on the wall until there's blood marks on the wall and shit. I somewhat disagree. There are, there's an extremity of emotion that I would rather not feel that I do think is just useless, bad chemicals sloshing around in my brain and it's not helping anyone. And it doesn't lend more beauty to my life or the idea that, oh, now I can appreciate joy. It's like, I didn't have to be that sad to appreciate joy. I'll tell you the one that I really feel that way about is envy. I don't, I think I, if I could press a switch and oh, never feel envious, it feels yeah. so pointless to feel envy. It doesn't well, ever lead to an action that is interesting or useful. But it could, because you could, if you envy someone, then you are telling yourself that you want your life to be different in that specific way, right? Uh, like, and it does it could be used as a motivator, but yeah, as you can tell, I'm a person who's never dealt with chronic depression personally from my answer. You're absolutely right about that. Like, Uh, I, I like I've dealt with very negative, dark emotions, but not on a level where it's like, I need to be medicated. Um, or like I've said previously, I've never gone to a therapist. So it's very easy for me to say this stuff for sure. I do agree Um, with you that a diet of certain amount, I would never eliminate all sadness. Sadness is a very good emotion, which is weird to say, but South Park did an episode about it that always stuck with me where 
there's uh i think it's the goth kids episode and they're like but aren't you um weren't you trying to conquer that sadness or something to stan and he's like you know what i learned today in the way that south park does um it's okay to sometimes it feels good to feel sad which sounds like an oxymoron but it's not everyone knows what they mean by that like sometimes it's instructive to feel sad sometimes you need to feel sad etc etc i think it's a matter of proportion like i think as depicted in the tng if you're screeching no please don't leave me are you fucking my husband like he's mine right Um, and there are people i've met people miserable people they're usually people who do bad things to other people right where you look at them and you're like you're just filled with negativity like like Mm -hmm. you're just you're just like you're living in hell uh because it's a person who just can't stop being envious and being like it's often people like this guy yeah in these episodes where it's like you just can't stop feeling negativity and it's it just radiates out of you you interesting that you use the term radiates because i do feel like I guess what I why I bring up that it's interesting to me, but it feels purely hypothetical that so many sci-fi stories treat negative emotions as a substance you can like trade. Like I could take eight anger and give it to them and then I don't have it anymore. Uh, right. I just think that's an interesting thought experiment that has no basis in reality. I subscribe to the idea that we sort of vibrate and resonate with various emotional states and they bring it out in each other, right? Like if I'm angry with my partner, they're more likely to be angry with me back. Anger begets anger. That's why we fight. Um, Whereas like if you can be chill and accommodating and focused and level headed, that tends to inspire that in others around you. So I think rather than, I think it's almost the opposite is actually true. You can't, it's not a zero sum game where you're filled with anger and then you pour it out of yourself. It's more like, practicing not practicing maintaining your being present and being positive that that is infectious it it radiates out and you don't lose it like if you're happy and it makes someone next to you happy you're both happy nothing was reduced or lost you didn't like lose your happiness to give them happiness yeah and it's kind of it kind of sucks in that way because yeah you if you're in a bad mood and you slap somebody it doesn't get rid of that negativity. No. Um, and it hurts It doesn't their make mood. you feel better. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of compounds it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what's going on here. Like this person. Yeah. The, this weird, this weird alien. Like, yeah, he's not getting rid of his negativity at all. He's just uh, dumping it into the world, I guess. Yeah. So it's uh, just interesting to me that speculative fiction often is trying to say, imagine the future it'll probably be like this based on current trends this or this is some facet of life that i think is true based on but some speculative fiction is just like this is not true but what if it was (laughs) you know it's more fantasy like what if emotions worked this way what if emotions were a checkerboard and if you take their rook then the emotion trades yeah and that makes sense for Troy as an alien, like the Betazoid, once you go down that road, you start doing stuff like this, where it's like, oh, she can sense emotions. So emotions are tangible things mm-hmm. that are, you can, they're like radio waves, yeah. so, um, which I, I just don't think that's true either. Um, and so, 
it's just like that, that i guess that's what i'm going at where it's like it's about how you physically manifest the, actions, the manifestation right yeah like how a piece of art is actually an event that occurs between someone observing an object it is both the experience of the observation and the object itself i think emotions right. are yeah like you're saying emotions are like that emotions manifest as actions and that's what actually has the ability to impact someone else's emotions but it is interesting right. that you can be impacted by something as small as like i know jen so well that i can see minor muscular changes in their face and know oh they're in a bad mood and that makes me feel right. certain feelings yeah it's interesting on such a fine level like you don't need to be a betazoid we're all most of us, other than people who I feel like have the misfortune of having borderline personality disorder or psychopathy or something, we are empath machines. We're pretty damn empathic. Look at the fact that we take animals and pretend that they must yeah. have feelings exactly like my palette of feelings. My cat oh, is yeah. like me. <laughs> it, it comes out in Star Trek all the time where they'll they'll talk to someone who's like a klingon that's like screaming at him and the screen will go off and troy will go he's angry and it's like yeah we all know troy yeah we, yeah. we all know he's angry troy you might be over like, he's hiding something and it's like no shit yeah your empathic abilities relative to yeah, just yeah. normal empathy yeah exactly i wonder if if you were an empath and you got radio waves in your brain that just told you angry happy hiding something I wonder if her ability to read like physical body language and social cues is actually stunted because you wouldn't need that, right? It would be like right. everyone oh, is a no, blank that slate that just says what their emotions are. Remember the episode? Troy loses her powers and becomes insufferable. Right, because um, she, no yeah. she can't use normal means to pick up people's emotions. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, that exact thing happens. Troy has this like free reign to like be like because she devastates this ensign in the therapy yeah. she can go to that ensign and be like yeah i was psychically affected no big deal mm -hmm. and it's like she could do that anytime she has a bad day yeah i got impregnated that, by a light from space well you know cut me some slack yeah it's gonna be especially awkward with the ensign that she throws her sex at um mm -hmm. uh that that poor that poor little guy uh, unnamed is gonna be like yeah. yeah he's gonna be walking through the hallways and running into her like he might have left and been like oh this is the start of a whole relationship with troy you mm -hmm. know like maybe he's maybe his heart was really in it <laughs> we don't know i feel like at some point in the star trek universe the people from the lower decks must understand that well, the bridge crew are one and done. If you get in a relationship with the bridge crew, it will resolve by the end of the episode. No one on yeah. bridge crew ever sticks with anyone. Even yeah. Vosh and Picard is like, you know, two, three yeah. episodes and then it's resolved. So many, so many have fucked Riker, right? Just Riker alone. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, yeah, they must know at this point. They must, hopefully he's just going back to his room and being like, ah, I, got, I fucked Troy, you guys. She's full, she's full of some sort of weird psychic energy and, you know, yeah, she was open for business. Do you ever read yeah, Stranger in a Strange very... Land, the Heinlein no. book? It posits a future. I mean, it was written during the free love movement, but it posits a future where people live in big clusters. And when you meet someone on the street you like, you might just 
you might like blow them or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Sweet. people have sex very casually just to be friendly and make each other feel good because who cares? Uh, right. And I feel like Star Trek sometimes sneakily has shades of that where you're like casual sex seems totally acceptable in this future. Oh, yeah. When Riker opens the door and Troy's wearing that nipple outfit, mm -hmm. he is immediately DTF. Like mm -hmm. he's like, "Oh, we're gonna have a sex meeting." I see. Yeah. And then and then the ensign is there, and he's like, "Oh, yeah." You already and she's had like, a sex "Does it meeting. bother you that I had sex with someone else?" He's like, "Of course not. Why would it? Yeah, this is all fine." I've, <laughs> I've also had sex with that ensign. It's right, fine, man. Exactly. Yeah. I've done this on the holodeck that's, many times. Yeah, that's what the ensigns are there for. <laughs> Oh, well, that starts to seem exploitative, but yeah, in its own way. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, should we should we just talk about some Futurama jokes? I think we're ready. I mean, yeah, we talked about the nature of feeling and the metaverse. Yeah, yeah we did it. Let's do it. Let's do joke roulette. My favorite part. All right. The mailman, I like just the bit with Nibbler, mailman firing at Nibbler and then the professor stepping on Nibbler. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it was pretty great I like when they're getting into the metaverse suits Leela says these smell like burning <laughs> Reese's monkey and the professor says really I guess when you are around it all day you stop noticing <laughs> off you go off you go uh, there's of course the 2001 reference my god it's full of ads mm -hmm. um, Bender telling Fry I'm telling you Fry they have a chat room for everybody and here it is. And you see a door that says filthy, filthy chat room. Then Amy and Leela go, that's disgusting. Men are pigs. And they go into a chat room just called filthy chat room. Just one. Um, and then, of course, the, the nude pictures. I just took pictures of your face and stuck them on someone else's body. Leela's looking in going, hey. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to the Internet, I'm now bored with sex. Great line very relevant i like the whole thing though but is there a place on the web that panders to my lust for violence is the space pope reptilian i like Such that because we will later meet the space pope and of course he will be an alligator man because there's yeah. consistency on futurama sometimes when they decide to yeah. then they play death factory 3 the legend of death factory 2 and yeah. i just want to point out that fry kills a non-named npc who is clearly David X. Cohen, which I just like oh, that Easter that's egg. that's great. Yeah. I like uh, Alcazar's email that says to Leela, subject hello, that he has to say out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This <laughs> uh, is silly. I find it interesting that Donkey Kong is in the metaverse game because that's apparently the only video game reference that the future yes! writers think we understand is Donkey Kong. They love that yeah, reference. Yeah, they love throwing barrels. And again, that idea, the 2D, where they're like, see, Fry would be good at this game because he's good at video games. It's like, no, that's again, not how it works. I mean, I um, do nothing but play video games. That doesn't make me good at Elden Ring when I start playing it. it yeah. It's a whole it new also, experience every time. Doesn't make me good at a gunfight, you know, right. like a physical activity. Um, look at that statue. It only has one eye, Fry. Lazy sculptor. Mm -hmm. I um, liked that. A little before that, it's still in reference to the video game. Fry, are you still mad at me for wrecking your once-in-a-lifetime chance to learn the meaning of your existence? Leela, no. I'm just happy you were able to win a video game. Now let's just focus <laughs> on getting this much-needed popcorn to the people of Cineplex 14. And then I also love that when they do blow up the popcorn, it forms a spiral arm galaxy. 
just because yeah. I know that the Futurama writers know this and this is why they did it. And I know that it's funny to them. That is that is true. Like that purports to the laws of physics. You know what I mean? If you had a yeah. bunch of low mass dots and you scattered them at random, they would become that pattern, which is That's amazing. fucking stupid. <laughs> Those idiots. Um, <laughs> Fry... What's over that hill, Alcazar? The Forbidden Valley, a holy sanctuary where no one must tread. Fry, is it anything like a cemetery? Because I got to take a leak. <laughs> this sacred mosaic depicts our goddess of beauty. Yeah? You got any sacred <laughs> artwork over from the back? That's oh, great. You remind me of her, Leela. Had our race survived, you would have been a temple priestess or supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> His story with the eyeless mole people of Subterra 3 when they fire it and the guy says, how far do you think it is? He goes, uh, a trillion miles? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, just saying that the, the eyeless mole people fired missiles in all directions, hoping to hit Cyclopia. Unfortunately, <laughs> one of the 40 planets hit was ours. <laughs> um, I mentioned it before. The You look hot. Take off your jacket. Our people don't like to be hot. Yeah, similarly, because he's starting to turn evil. Make me some coffee, will you? What do you take with that? Pancakes and sausages. Kitchen's in the basement. <laughs> pancakes are in the attic. That's so good. Yeah. Pans um, are in the I attic. Really, I really love Bender. Him, His arc of just looting the place. Um, <laughs> I'll do the dishes. Hey, where'd they go? <laughs> Bender mm -hmm. just walking right clanking. With dish sound. And then later he's all thieved out. And then, of course, his turn is like, no, wait a second. No, I'm not. Uh, Bender, uh, Leela's experiencing the greatest joy a woman can feel, <laughs> worshipping some low-life jerk, Fry. He may be some low-life jerk, but I don't trust him. <laughs> so good. Oh. Uh, <laughs> when, when Fry confronts Leela and says, like, yeah, it's obvious it's, he's bad. Layla says, it's, if it's obvious to you with your learning disability, then it's obvious to <laughs> then of me. Of course it's obvious to me. There's a, here's a line that, you know, just sometimes the cadence or the delivery sticks in your head. Here's a line I say to Jen a lot when we're eating dinner. Hey, Leela, what gives? Pig says your slop tastes like crap. Yeah, like crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. I love, I love Ratman and his girlfriend. <laughs> Oh yeah, they're getting married. Oh man! Uh, when Fry gets out of the dungeon, it's time for this bird to walk. I like that they call it a pre-wedding chugathon. Yep. Sign joke. Zoidberg crying at the wedding. That pig over there is wearing the same sandals as me. Um. Let's see. Each more identical than the last. That's not really a joke. Oh, uh, oh! I remember the joke is that they find a matching mosaic, and it, and Fry goes, "Look, it's another Cyclops, but this one has five eyes." That's uh, great. <laughs> and then, of course, the ending speech and Bender Mine was saying, to make he's it. A yeah. he's a saint. Yeah. Why did you have all the five weddings on the same day? Hey, lady, do you have any idea what it costs to rent a tux that changes shape? <laughs> uh, it's solid. That's one where they're like. They probably thought about that inconsistency or that, and they're like, well, we can probably we throw can it away joke, with a joke. Find a way to joke around that. Yeah. Oh, there's so many ways Alcazar could have pulled this off. <laughs> like his plan I is love the fact objectively that, yeah, bad. I, I love that he built these kingdoms. Like mm -hmm. 
they never they never address that like he, he had these kingdoms like built physically built so he could make it with five chicks <laughs> yeah it's a lot of effort quite an He's ambitious sleaze yeah yeah um do we want to talk about which episode did it better let's do it all right this is a section called two to knock it up a notch bam energize what nine knock it up a notch maximum wall make it so engage no don't engage um energize uh this is this is tough because i do like them both what do you what what where where do you fall on this? Hoof, I didn't pre-think about it, and as we've discussed them, I do think they're relatively the same quality. It's really a a toss-up. I also feel like okay, I'm giving it to TNG, and I'll tell you why. I do think that that is more of a time-honored sci-fi trope, as we've discussed. That so the. What the Futurama really has going for it is this is one of the first episodes where Leela has an arc. Leela was not fridged in this. She's not a wet blanket. She has like a thing to do. It's a Leela episode. God, I love that. We'll get more of them. Meanwhile, though, I will say Troy, Mm -hmm. Troy, um, what's her name, is is doing a great job in this. Yeah. Yeah. When she has to do like her sexy, weird, sexy thing in front of the mirror, it's like a it's like a wonder. That's what I was like going to say. So yeah. the TNG also gives Troy a lot to do and it embraces more of a real sci-fi trope, which is the idea that what if emotions were a tangible substance? Um, so I'm right. going to give it to TNG just because I find it to be more hardcore speculative fiction in this case. I, Whereas the Futurama, as I keep referencing, like the one where they switch brains and it's mathematically accurate or the one where time keeps skipping forward. These are like true, really tickle my sci-fi brain. Like, yeah, this is real sci-fi. Whereas this one's more of like a sitcom episode. Like what if a sleazy guy took advantage of the only real thing that's speculative about it is that he's a shapeshifter, which only comes in at the end and is just like how he's undone. So I kind of like the TNG slightly more because, uh, it's constantly navigating an actual sci-fi thing. I agree. I also like how they handle his scumbagness better where he justifies it in this very, like I'm doing the greater good kind of way. Just going, yeah, I'm a piece of shit. What am I, what are you going to do? And so, like, I do like the way it handles the idea of a toxic person like this Mm -hmm. and how they justify it. Yeah, literalizing Um, toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, All right. Two for Star Trek. Star Trek Trek has it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's um, do our final section and answer some some cues. This is uh, hailing frequencies over open, Captain. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Open hailing frequencies. Frequencies open, sir. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Um, I got I got some up here. Great. I, I put out a thing last night. I'm sorry. I haven't looked at it. I, I looked at it this morning, but I haven't looked at it in the last hour because we've been podcasting. Oh, dude, um, when it's my turn to host, I go back to your old threads and just take questions you didn't pick. So don't worry about oh, yeah, yeah. effort. <laughs> um, Ryan Meekler, Meeker or Meeker Windu ass. So like, what's up? What's your guys deal? My deal is that I have the classic entertainer thing where I need constant validation from all sides and all sources. So I make my entire identity sharing myself with the public in the hopes that people will approve of me. 
but I'm getting better at it as I get older. <laughs> okay. I don't, that's what surfaced first when he asked what my deal is. Sure. Mine was just like, you know, hanging. God, Pretty good. I re- yours was way less revealing. I yeah. feel naked and exposed now. I'm sorry. Fuck. Well, um, <laughs> uh, another pond duck or Oliver Allen asks, uh, if you could wipe one flavor from your memory, what would it be? I actually have an answer to this. Me that too. I'm passionate Immediately. About. Yeah. You go. Okay. The flavor of uh, tomato flavored ramen noodles by, I, f- I forget which company, they discontinued it. It's not Top Ramen, it's the other one. Maruchan? They discontinued it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They discontinued it decades ago, and I still remember the taste because it's my favorite flavor of ramen noodles ever, and I'll never have it again, and that makes me sad every day. But so sadness I wish is I could good, forget. Dave. We just discussed I, I wish. Yeah, I just I wish I could forget the flavor so I wouldn't wow. be sad. You'd rather forget something good that happened to you than yeah, not have it I, again? Because I can't get it again. But that's all of like everything in life, one day you'll do it for the last time. Does that mean you wish you had no memory of anything you ever did? No. Just this flavor. Just this one thing. All right. Yeah, because here's You're the like, thing. I don't the have to explain also... myself to you. That's what well, I chose. Well, the flavor, the flavor is low stakes enough. You know, like if I fell in love with someone who died, I wouldn't fucking eternal sunshine that shit. That's what um, I'm getting at. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just this flavor haunts me because I really liked it. I'll never get it again. I can almost taste it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I, I got better things to focus on. <laughs> wouldn't it be great if I could just wipe this flavor out so I don't long for it? all the time well i took it the exact opposite way i would erase a flavor that sometimes i recall and it makes me gag just to recall it and i hate it so much that i is it cat anus? wish it was removed from the what is it cat anus no you know it's interesting because my cat has expressed their anal glands into my mouth as i, as I, know, I think you I know. know and i immediately vomited on myself and it was one of the worst days of my life but um <laughs> i can't remember what that tasted like with any clarity it was too much panic like the moment you know what i mean all i remember is that it happened i don't like wake up at night remembering cat anus gland flavor but what i do remember is when i used to have ulcers and i had to chug thick like aloe vera gel every day and it doesn't even taste it doesn't taste as bad as something that tastes bad but it tastes alien and foreign like i don't know about other people who drink aloe vera juice and maybe are fine with it but to me the experience was i gagged so hard as i tried to like chug that i had to chug a big thing of aloe vera juice every morning for months and my body was just constantly screaming this is not food. This is plants. This is a, this is like a plant you're eating. I definitely, yeah. You're eating something that you shouldn't, you're like eating grass. Why are you doing this? And I remember the flavor very clearly and I hate it so much. I would wipe yeah. that out. That makes sense. I also, I once mixed Elmer's glue with bourbon to see what it tasted <laughs> like. And I still remember that taste. I once wasn't good. drank isopropyl alcohol and tasted it for several days after. Oh, oh bad move yeah i did it yeah. for a laugh see previous right. question answer <laughs> uh, yeah um okay well we'll we'll keep this light um i, I there there i put i grabbed five questions mm-hmm. but i'm just gonna grab the first three because they're all kind of like this um moomin cruiser um asks 
what's the earliest adult animated show y'all can remember falling in love with? In parentheses, mine was is home movies. I love home movies. Home that movies, was great. one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, but like, unfortunately, mine is super boring because of my age. It's The Simpsons. Trying to see if I can think. Well, when you say adult, my brain went to like cartoons that I wasn't allowed to see because my dad is kind of a no filter guy when it comes to sexuality let us watch whatever we wanted showed us shit that you shouldn't show kids that young too right. young um so like fritz the cat came to mind and things like that mm. or like our crumb stuff that made me feel weird and uncomfortable but if you're talking about the genre of adult animated comedy it is also the simpsons my i've told this story before on the air but it's short so here you go um somehow my dad had the foresight to sit us down when Simpsons roasting on an open fire, the very first Simpsons episode aired and tell us this is going to be huge. This is important. Watch this. This is going to be a huge show. I still don't know. Like, how did he know that at that time? But uh, yeah, ever since the Simpsons premiered, it was a sacred thing in my household and we would watch it as a family every Sunday. So it's definitely Simpsons. Yeah, we did Simpsons X Files. Um, there was always like we did Simpsons a block and Jeopardy. The two. Nice. Um, I do remember the first time I saw Adult Swim, which was a lovely time. I was a teenager. Yeah, I was very inebriated, and they had like a Scooby Doo spoof mm-hmm. that they played, where it was like it was like a it it played out like a Scooby Doo episode, but it was just like slightly off and funny. And I remember watching it and not knowing that it wasn't scooby-doo oh and i was just like what the fuck is happening <laughs> yeah yeah here? yeah the- and then then and i thought i was losing my mind and then the second thing that came on was c-lab's episode waking quinn i was about to say where he C-Lab. keeps getting a yeah where he keeps getting electrocuted mm-hmm. and it was again me like am i losing my fucking mind right now because i didn't know that adult swim was a thing period and these look like old cartoons yeah space ghost the brack show and oh, c-lab were all huge for me a little later than the simpsons yes. but totally life-changing the c-lab yes. where the dude gets caught under the vending machine and stung by scorpions oh, over and yeah. over <laughs> and the c-lab yeah. where they form separate countries and go to war with each other oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to rewatch C-Lab. Fuck it. It's so good. It's Space so Ghost good. is my favorite. Um, yeah. I, yeah, Underrated. that was my college Still. years. That and, of course, Strong Bad. It's Strong Bad, C-Lab, Space Ghost, Aqua Teen, uh, and Brack Show. Yeah. Aqua Teen uh, took a long time for me. I, I I couldn't understand what Meadwad was saying, literally. And yep. was like, it's too cruel and angry and punk and empty. It's like too hollow and fucked up. Right. And then something just clicked eventually. I they was like, really no, it's funny. Now. It's super funny. The Moon and Nights, it's great. I love it now. <laughs> but it yeah. took a while. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. All right. Adult well, animation is kind the of the best. What's that? I think adult animated comedies are kind of my favorite kind of yeah. media, maybe. Adult Swim, it's hard because it's also like very nostalgic. But there was a time where I would like get home from work, um, open my window, crawl outside of my my parents' house, get high on the porch, Mm -hmm. and then just like sit and maybe smoke a cigarette and watch Adult Swim. Uh, And that was that golden golden age in my room with my TV and my computer. Yeah. Uh, It was just so... mm, So perfect. Those memories are so vivid big part uh, of why we do what we do i should think yeah for sure 
Um, um, also, if you're looking for just another answer, because I love talking adult-oriented animation, uh, FLCL was huge for me. Did you ever see that? Sometimes called Fooly Cooly. No. It's a miniseries, but I saw that pretty young, and I it stuck with me forever. The plot doesn't really cohere, but it's beautiful to behold, and uh, made me feel weird because I saw it when I was too young. Right. So maybe check that huh. out. All right, I will. All right. Um, okay, well, you want, this is going to go up on the Gamefully Unemployed, so do you want to plug some stuff? I will derail the whole thing by asking, are you sure, or do we want to make this one free? Was it a good episode? Oh, do, do we want to make this free? Um, this was a good episode. I could see it being free. I think we because sh- every once in a while, we like to release one on the free feeds just so that the people who are listening but don't patronize us know that this is a thing remember that this exists and can choose yeah, to patronize let's, us fuck if it. They let's want. make yeah. it free let's okay. make it free great then um, i don't gotta so, plug shit well we both have to plug shit oh. now because since this is free Whoa. if you want to get the other episodes you got to go to two patreons um patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed and patreon.com slash small beans we interchange the episodes between us uh, just to quickly plug Gamefully Unemployed, we also have two exclusive podcasts, Fox Mulder's Maniac, Star Trek The Next Futurama. Those are only under our $5 a month uh, pledge. There's other tiers there you can find. There's a lot of fun stuff. There's also Spiel Boys, which is also between Small Beans and Gamefully Unemployed. Also split between, yes. And then on Small Beans, our exclusive Patreon-onlys are uh, Scientifics and Bewilderments, which is an improv comedy cast with Cody Johnston and various great guests. Um, Tales from the Pit is on there. Uh, As I said, we got a new one coming out that's a a book club you can read along with us, a bunch of Harlan Ellison short stories that's called Like Razorblade Pie. And Director Peace Theater is our other big one over there. Oh, and One Upsmanship, the video game one, but that's always free. Yeah, and it's always delightful to listen to. And I know it um, sounds like a, a scam that we've split these up and put them behind two paywalls, but I got to be on. It's like six bucks a month to get all of it, and you get a lot. So I don't feel, yeah. you know what, fuck it, you. Yeah, I don't feel bad uh, about it. No, no, we offer a lot for a pretty pretty small amount. We try amount. to. Um, try to make it yeah. worth your buck. And honestly, you can like... <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this. You could do like one month and just like listen to everything and then stop. Yeah. Binge and quit. I don't, I don't that's acceptable yeah, I don't, to us. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd rather not because I like your support, but like, yeah, that's an option. I'm not going to frown upon it. People, people, not everybody can afford things. I get it. You know? Absolutely. Um, so it's nice to give them a little, a little Star Trek now and then. Yeah. And we, we of course we have, pl- yeah. On our regular networks, we have plenty of free podcasts as well. Uh, we're doing fine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, if by the time you're listening to this, we will have just had a Dungeons & Dragons stream. So if you missed that, look for that. Yeah, that should be fun. Should be fun. We're in the past, I'm, so we I'm, haven't done it yet. Right, right, right. It could it could be a disaster for all we know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what the future, our future and your our past, your past yeah. holds. Great. Should be fun. 